0: Hello everyone and welcome to Christ Fellowship Online. My name is Jeannie Rodriguez and I want to thank you so much for joining us. If this is your first time, I want to invite you to pause the broadcast and fill out a connection card at cfmemory.org connect. This will help us connect with you and know how we can best serve you during this season. And now, a special message by Pastor Rick. Jesus says to God, he says, God, my prayer is not for them alone. But I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Now watch this. Here's his prayer. That all of them. Everybody say all of them. Everybody say all of them. Everybody say all of of us. Yeah, that all of them, that all of us may be what? Yeah, may be one. Well, you can grab a seat at all of our campuses. And um, I want to set things up today by sharing uh, a story with you that I've shared with you before. But I want to share it again today because it just fits this final message that I want to share with you. So I'm going to begin by saying this. When I was a little boy, around eight years old, I recall lying in bed at night and hearing my little mom Praying for me in the next room. Oh yeah, now now mind you, my mom was no spiritual giant by any stretch of the imagination. But my mom did know how to pray. And as an abandoned wife with two little boys, my mother would often cry out in the nighttime to God. And folks, I could hear her crying out to God because my bed was so close to the wall that went around to where she slept. Now, would you stay with me, because I want to tell you a little bit about her life. She lived a very, very hard, had a very hard childhood life. For example, her father, who was an alcoholic, uh, could never hold down a job. And so they were constantly moving. They were constantly on the move, move, because what he did, he painted for different textile mills around the Carolinas, And they would rent houses around these mills, and when he got paid, he often spent the money drinking, so when the rent payment came due, he simply just packed the kids up and the wife, and they just moved to another house, and then they moved to another house. And my aunt recently told me that one year of her childhood, my mom's childhood, they moved 17 times. So her life, her childhood was completely unstable. I mean, could you imagine? You never really make a friend because you keep moving in school and you keep moving, you keep moving. Now, folks, as if that weren't bad enough, when she turned 18, in order to get away from this alcoholic father, she unwittingly married an alcoholic husband. And folks, after he got her pregnant the second time with me, he left her. For nearly three years, and during those three years, my little mom basically had no home. In fact, my aunt was telling me that we we were allowed to stay with my grandmother, and I vaguely remember this, but she wouldn't let us come inside. She made us, my brother, my mom, and I, sleep out on the front porch, even in the wintertime. Now, I was very young, so my memories of that are very vague. My brother Mike remembers it fairly well. But folks, my my point in saying all of that is my mother had to figure out how to pray, how to talk to God, especially when it came to her little boys. Now, I want you to fast forward to when I was about eight years old. Because again, I recall laying in my bed at night and hearing my mom praying for me. In fact, could I make a, a little bit of a confession here? There were nights when I would get cold. We lived in this 600-square-foot apartment that just got cold. And I would get out of the bed, and there was, a, there was an, an oil heater in this little hallway, and it had a little fan that blew on it. And I would lie down by that oil heater, and Mom's bedroom door was right there. And she would leave it open so she could hear us. But I remember lying there and I would, I would hear her crying out. And, it, and at first, I actually thought she was dreaming. I remember thinking, you know, my little mom's having a nightmare. But eventually, eventually, I figured out she was praying and she was praying for us and I would move closer and I always felt bad about that I was doing that because I felt like, you know, I'm eavesdropping on this moment, this talk between her and God but I would hear her call my name. Now I couldn't quite make out all that she was saying, but I would hear her call out to God and then call my brother's name Mike or then call my name Ricky. And I would try to get closer to that door so I could hear what she was praying for me about and here's why. Here's why I wanted to hear what she was praying about. I wanted to do whatever she was asking God that I would do. In other words, if she was asking me to be, asking God for me to be kind, or if she was asking God for me to be honest, or if she was asking God for me to study hard, whatever she was praying to God about, I wanted to do it. Whatever she was asking God that I would do, I wanted to be the answer to her prayers. That's why I listen. Now, folks, with all of that in mind, let me turn a corner and bring that over to this final message to you as your lead pastor. Because what an image of us and Jesus. And by that, I mean just like my mom prayed for me those nights. And just like I I tried to listen in on what she was saying. And just like I wanted to do, I wanted to be the answer to her prayer. Just like that. Listen, listen. This is my proposition today. On the night before Jesus was crucified, Jesus prayed for us. Oh yeah, 2,000 years ago, Jesus reached out into the future, and he prayed for you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and he prayed for you, and Christ's fellowship, he prayed for us. And by way of John chapter 17, it's as, it's as if God opens the door and allows us to eavesdrop on Jesus' prayer for us. It's as if we get to listen in on what he was praying about for us. You say, well, Rick, if Jesus was praying for us, if he was praying for us as individuals, if he was praying for Christ's fellowship, what was he praying for? that we would do Well, we're going to find out as we unpack this passage in John 17 but listen let me tell you what my prayer is my prayer for us is that whatever Jesus was praying that we would do my prayer for us Christ fellowship is that we'll do it my prayer is that whatever Jesus was praying for us on that night my prayer is that we Christ fellowship will be an answer to his prayers amen So with that in mind, I want to give you two thoughts. How many of you have your listening guides? John chapter 17, raise them in the air. Two simple thoughts. Here they are as we look at this passage. Number one, Jesus prayed for us. Jesus prayed for us. Now with that in mind, let's let's go back to verse 1 and kind of get a running start on this narrative. The Bible says in verse 1, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has, what? Has come. Now stop right there let me give you the, the setting, the backdrop on those words. To begin with, at this point in the Gospels, Jesus and the 11 disciples have left the upper room. You'll recall Jesus gathered them that night before he was arrested, before he was crucified. He gathered them into into this little upper room inside of Jerusalem. And in that upper room, you remember, he washed their feet, he prayed for them, he dismissed Judas to go out and do his betraying work. But by this point in John 17, they have left that upper room and they walk towards the garden of Gethsemane where Jesus would be arrested, tried, and crucified. So what they would have done, they would have walked through the dark streets of Jerusalem. They would have went down the back slopes of Jerusalem, down into what's called the Kidron Valley. They would have crossed over this little brook called the Kidron Brook, and then they would have walked inside into the Garden of Gethsemane. But folks, check this out. As they were walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus was talking to the disciples. Jesus was teaching them. Jesus was inspiring them. Jesus was encouraging them. And here's what you need to know. Everything that Jesus said to them on the way to the Garden of Gethsemane, all that he taught them is recorded for us in John 14, 15, and 16. But well, folks, when we open the pages of John 17, check this out. Jesus stops talking to the disciples, and He starts talking to God. And talking to God is what we call prayer. And folks, what we find out in, this, in John 17 is that Jesus didn't just pray for the 11 disciples he also prayed into the future for us. In fact, let me show you what I mean. Listen to verse nine. Jesus says, I pray for, come on, I pray for, yeah, them. Now stop there, because <clears throat> the antecedent of them is a reference to the 11 disciples. And we would expect Jesus to pray for them. I mean, they're the disciples. You know, They walked with Jesus for three years. They saw every miracle that Jesus performed. They themselves performed miracles. Some of them actually were used by God to pin the word of God as God guided their words. So these were very special guys. And, And yeah, you would expect Jesus to pray for them on the night before he died. But folks, don't miss verse 20. Listen to what Jesus also says. He says to God, he says, God, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. You say, Rick, who are the ones who will, who would believe in him through their message? It's simple, folks. That's us. That's you. That's me. That's us, Christ Fellowship. We're special too. And Jesus prayed for us. You say, well, if Jesus prayed for us, what did he pray about? Well, listen, I'm glad you asked. Because this is not the prayer of a mother for a son. This is the prayer of a Savior for his followers. And here's what he prayed about that night for us. Write this down. He prayed for three things. Write it down. as A, B, and C. Jesus prayed for our mission. Jesus prayed for our mission. And with that in mind, listen to verse 18. Jesus is talking to God, and He says, "God, as you keyword sent me into the world, I have keyword." sent them also into the world. Who is that? That's us. In other words, Jesus was saying on that night, he was saying, God, just like you sent me into the world, he was saying, God, I am sending them into the world. Now put your thinking caps on because the word send there is explicit. It's a translation of the Greek word apostelo. I always tell you, your Bible's originally written, New Testament, Koine, Greek, translated to English, Spanish, French, whatever. That word I am sending them is apostello. Everybody say apostello. Everybody say apostello. Yeah, here's what it means. It means to be sent on a mission. You know what a mission is? A mission is what you're sent to do. A mission is your, your, what your assignment is to do. You see, folks, here's what all of us who are followers of Christ need to understand. None of us are in this world arbitrarily. We're not just sort of randomly walking through this world. What every one of us in here, Christ Fellowship, needs to understand is we have been sent into this world. And we have been sent on a apostello. We have been sent on a mission. Again, mission defines Christ Fellowship. It defines what we're supposed to do. In our lives. Not what you may be doing. It defines what we're supposed to be doing. You say, well, Rick, what is it that we're supposed to be doing as a church? What is our assignment? What is the mission that Christ has left to Christ's fellowship? Well, in this passage, Jesus shows us that our mission, listen, this is so important, so important. Our mission has everything to do with a message. That's key. Our mission has everything to do with a message, which is why, write this down as B, Jesus prayed also for our message. Listen to verse 20. Jesus says, My prayer is not for these alone, them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their, another key word, through their. Come on, say it like you mean through there. Message, and what is the message? Verse 23, then the world will know that you, God, have sent me and that you have, here's the message, loved them. That's our message, and everybody heads up. Our mission is to take that message and to spread it to everybody that we possibly can. And what is the message that God has left with us that we are to spread to the world? Here it is God loves them. God loves them. That's our message to everybody we meet. God loves you. God loves you. God cares about you. Folks, that is the most powerful message in the universe. Nothing rivals it. And God doesn't just say, He just loves them. God says, For he so loved the world, yes, that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That is our message. And listen, listen. Our mission, Christ Fellowship, is to do whatever it takes. Everybody say, whatever it takes. Everybody say, whatever it takes. Yeah, our mission is to do whatever it takes. To get that message that God loves people locally and globally. And i got to tell you, since I got here day one, I have been heralding that message from this pulpit to you. God (coughs) loves people. They matter deeply to Him. You have never come eyeball to eyeball with a single human being. I don't care whether they're rich or poor. Big home, no home. It doesn't matter. This country, another country. You have never looked into the face of any human being who did not matter deeply to God and God loves them powerfully. And folks, that message that God loves you, that God loves them, that message is so powerful that it can change people's lives. It can alter their destination. That message God loves you can bring hope to people. It can give life to people. It can give meaning to life. And that message God loves you is the way and the only way to eternal life. That's the message. Our message. Mission is to spread that message to everyone. God loves you. And here's our vision. By the way, just so you see the distinction between mission and vision, mission defines what we're supposed to do. Vision defines how far do we want to take that mission? How far do we want to go with it? And here's our vision. Our vision in order to spread that message that God loves people, our vision is to put a Christ Fellowship campus filled with people just like you who have the love of God in them, who can spread the love of God to that community. Our vision is to put a Christ Fellowship campus in every community in Dade County. And our vision is to put a Christ Fellowship campus filled with people just like you into every country from which we came from. And right now, that is 81 different countries. But here's what you need to to realize. If we're going to do that, we have to do it by force. Let me say that again. If we're going to recognize that vision, we have to do it by force, we have to do it forcefully. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 11. Jesus said this. He said, from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven has been, everybody say it with me, has been everybody say it again, has been forcefully what? Advancing, watch this, and and forceful men are the ones who lay hold of it. Now, folks, to say that Jesus is being aggressive there is an understatement. It is like Jesus is trying to shake us, trying to arouse our passion and our force. Why? Because our mission, listen, here's why. Our mission is to take the love of God to as many people as we possibly can. But here's what we need, to do, we need to know. As we do that, we battle the kingdom of darkness and it yields itself reluctantly. Let me say that again. We are at war with the kingdom of darkness and it yields itself reluctantly. That means every campus that we try to put down in this city, the forces of darkness will reluctantly let it happen. Every soul that we take for Christ, the forces of darkness give up to us reluctantly. They are against us. And I got to tell you, folks, every time I have tried to ratchet up the vision in this church, the attacks from the kingdom of darkness, the attacks of Physical problems of slander, the problems of heart attacks, just seems to ratchet up against me even more. But folks, in spite of that, we had this message of God's love, we have been advancing it. And this church has been pushing back the gates of hell in this city that have dominated it long enough. <laughs> Christ Fellowship, you need to know, you need to know that you are a formidable force against the kingdom of darkness. Let me say that again. You need to know you are a formidable force against the kingdom of darkness. And can I tell you what makes you so effective? Can I tell, tell you what makes us so formidable? Can I show you what it is? Here it is. You say, your index finger is what makes us so powerful? No. No. The power of one is what makes us so forceful, because for years, folks, we have been a unified force against the kingdom of darkness, and because we have been a unified force of one, even though we are many, we are one, we have one mission, we line up behind it, and because we've been a formidable force of one, we have been pushing back the gates of hell like nobody thought could happen in this city. And that's why Jesus prays this. Write this down to see. Jesus also prayed for our what? Our unity. Our unity. Listen to what he says My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That all of them may be what? May be one. Everybody say, All of them. All of them. Everybody say, all of, all of us. May be what? Maybe one. In other words, though we are many, though we are thousands at Christ's Fellowship, to be effective, we have to be one. And that's the reason why we've been so effective. We've been one. We've been one. Now, I want to be sure you understand Jesus' prayer here. So I want you to write this down as a little one and number two. It was supposed to be in your outline. It got left out, so you're going to need to write it out. But here's what you need to know about this prayer. Jesus did not pray for unity for the sake of unity. That is so important. Jesus did not pray for unity for the sake of unity. Here's what I mean by that. A lot of churches read this, and they they think what Jesus is sort of praying is something like this. God, I pray that they'll just all be able to get along with each other. God, I pray that they'll like each other. God, I pray that they'll, they'll all hold hands and sway and sing Kumbaya. You know. And folks, when a church thinks that's the prayer, their mission becomes unity. And what happens, they just internally turn in on themselves to the neglect of the world around them. So here's what we need to know. That prayer, Jesus did not pray for unity for the sake of unity. Write this down as a little number two. Jesus prayed for unity for the sake of the mission. For the sake of the mission. He says that all of them may be be one. Why? Then, that is, when churches become one, then the world will know that you have sent me and that you have loved them. When will the world know that, that God loves them? When will the world get that message? It is when we become one around that message and you are one, Christ Fellowship. This is what, they, this is what has made you so powerful, this unified force of one. Why? Because unity creates alignment. Unity creates synergy Unity creates momentum. Unity creates forcefulness. When many line up as one, it's a powerful force. Any of you who played sports know that, right? You know, there's a lot of players on the team, but they got to become one. In fact, how many of you were here a few weeks ago when I started this series, and I talked about the Jamaican 4x100 relay team? Let me see your hands. How many of you were here? Yeah. Okay, how many Jamaicans do we have in the house? Give it up for yourselves. Clap. Say yeah, 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 yeah. So, so how many of you Jamaicans know about the Jamaican bobsled team? Yeah, you know about that? Yeah, it was a four-man bobsled team that competed in the Olympics. And folks, when they showed up, I think this was in the 80s and 90s, when they showed up, the world laughed at them. The world mocked them. Why? Because the world was looking at that and saying, How can a bobsled team from, a, from an island, from a country that never gets snow, compete in the bobsled? Even the announcers in the Olympics laughed at these guys. However, there was a bobsled coach from Norway who believed in these four guys and he rallied these four guys around two forces. Number one, the power of a mission, and number two, the power of being one. First of all, he gave them the power of mission. He said, your mission is to change the world, the world of bobsledding. You're gonna change that world and show them that an island nation can compete in the Olympics. And then he rallied them around the power of one, and he began to teach them. Although you're four athletes, you gotta become one athlete. You gotta become one unit. And he began to teach them, you gotta got pull as one. You gotta push as one. You gotta pull as one. You gotta push as one. And when you're going down the, the ice pack, as you're going down through there, you gotta to lean to the right as one. You gotta to lean to the left as one. And he began to, to teach them to have this rhythm and this cadence to all of their moves so that they became one. And these four guys developed a cadence around what he was teaching them. And that cadence was captured in a movie called, Cool Runnings. You remember what they would say? Feel the rhythm. Well, I'm messing it up. Take a look. Team up is all right, fellas, that's us. Let's go. Here we go. Today's our day. This is it. All right, guys, we can do it. Three. See you at the finish line. With the kinds of push right, starts these guys are Let's capable go. of, we might actually see the Jamaicans win an Olympic medal. So this is it. We could see history in the making. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Get on up. It's bomb time. Shaved, another couple hundreds tops to start out. They get better every time down the track. Oh, there he is. Oh, Take that! Look at the way the sled's coming in and out of the corners. Very smooth. It's like he's been driving the sled for 10 years. Bannock looks really possessed here. Oh, what the heck. Go chance! Don't you love that? Yeah. Hey, everybody say, Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Everybody say, Feel the rhythm. Yes. Everybody say, Feel the rhyme. Yes. Listen, that's how they became one, and that is how we have become one in Christ, one on a mission. We have been pulling together, pushing together, leaning together, and by doing that, we have been advancing the gospel of God's love to this city in a powerful way. Just like that coach rallied them around the power of a mission and the power of being one, that's exactly what Jesus does for us. And I want you to watch how that impacted the early church. In other words, right after Jesus gave this vision of being one, this mission of being one, the early church caught what he was saying. And listen to Acts chapter 4, verse 32. This is just months after Jesus' death and resurrection. Listen to what happened to the church. All the believers were of one heart and of One mind. Meaning what? Meaning they were all aligned towards this one mission. They were all taking all of their gifts, all of their abilities, all of their talents, and they were channeling them at this one mission, which was to spread the message, God loves you around the world. And folks, were they ever powerful? Listen to Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Do you imagine? 3,000 in one day. Verse 47, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Chapter 6, so the word of God spread. And the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Christ Fellowship, that sounds like us. A unified force. Of believers, though we are many, and though we come from all over the world, we are a force of one. And you have become an unstoppable force because you're so unified. Now, let me just say this. For, for a congregation this big, and we have thousands of people at all of our campuses. But for a congregation this big to become that unified demands that the staff of that church be unified. Does that make sense? In other words, the staff has to set the standard. And so, I say that because I wanna share this blessing with you. This year, our staff was certified by Best Christian Workplaces as a church and a staff certified our church, Christ Fellowship, as a Best Christian Workplace in America. In other words, this is a great place to work. This is a great place to serve. Many of the people on our staff who took that questionnaire anonymously, they didn't have to sign, just anonymously, were asked if they were offered a job that paid more somewhere else, would they go to it? And I think it was 85% said no, they would stay here. That's how unified this staff is. Powerful. And by the way, by the way, a few months back, back in the spring, we were visited by a group called Slingshot. And Slingshot is a, is a consulting group that, that, that visits you know, many megachurches like ours to look at the culture of the staff, to look at the health of the staff. And they they sort of anonymously dropped in on us to see our staff, to watch us. We, we didn't know they were coming. And they showed up and they went to one of our staff meetings and watched the culture there. And the vice president of Slingshot was there. And when he left, he, he shot a selfie <laughs> a video and send it to us, Sent a message to us. His name's Todd Clark. Here's what he had to say to our staff. Take a look. Well, hello, Christ Fellowship uh, Miami. My name is Todd Clark and I am a uh, vice president at Slingshot Group and We have done a whole lot of uh, just partnership with you guys at the church, and we're so thankful for our relationship with you. I just wanted to give you a word of encouragement uh, because I was able to be at your all staff meeting uh, today, this Tuesday morning. I'm not sure I've ever seen anything just like that. The way you guys were celebrating, passing the mic around, talking about your celebrations, and everybody was grabbing the mic as soon as they could, and then everybody was cheering. People, People were lifting chairs. Some of the team members were were lifting chairs above their heads, but it was amazing. So anyway, CF, love you guys. Blessings to you. Bye-bye. Amen. Let's give it up for our staff. Love it. Hey, by the way, just speaking of awards, our accounting department and our our board of trustees have received certification again from ECFO, which is the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Many, if not most churches, never try for that because the standards are so rigorous. But folks, my point is this. Organizationally, we are poised. And staff-wise, we are unified. But what is even more powerful than that? This is what's so amazing about Christ Fellowship. All of you, from thousands of you, thousands of you scattered all over Dade County, scattered around the world, even though we come from so many nationalities, 81 different nationalities of people, we have every tribe and every tongue, like Revelation 5, and every language and every race represented at Christ Fellowship, and though we are so diverse and there's so many of us who are different, we have all become One. We have lined up behind one mission, take the love of God to this world. And we've lined up behind one Savior, Jesus Christ. And again, we have become a formidable force. It's sort of like that sign on the back of the dollar bill. I think it says, e pluris unum. Is that how you say that in Latin? It means, out of many, one. That's us. Out of many nations, out of many races. Out of many languages, out of many people, one. In Christ's fellowship, that is what makes you so powerful. And my prayer is that that's just going to get even more and more stronger as we head into the new generation of leadership. And so here's what I want you to write down is to. Here's my prayer. My prayer is that let's be an answer to Jesus' prayer. You already are. But let's be an answer today. Listen to what Jesus says, that all of them may be one. Then the world will know that you have sent me and you have loved them. In other words, just like I wanted to be the answer to my mom's prayer, Christ Fellowship, I want us to be an answer to God's prayer today, to Jesus' prayer. As we lift our hands in a moment to vote, my prayer, my prayer is that we're going to send a message to ourselves, and we're going to send a strong message to the city. By the way, how many of you remember the Super Bowl in 2002? You know, it was right after the World Trade Center bombing. It was a huge Super Bowl, and it pitted the New England Patriots against the St. Louis Rams. Coming back to you a little bit. Yeah. And as normally happens, before that game started, the announcer introduced the players. And they started with the St. Louis Rams. And the announcer would say, and now running back for the St. Louis Rams, um, Marshall Falk. And Marshall Falk would run out. Yay. You know. And then he would say, you know, and now the quarterback for the St. Louis Rams, Kurt Warner. And Kurt Warner would come out. Yay. And they did that. And all of these players came out individually. And then the stadium went silent. And the announcer said, and now, choosing to be introduced as a team. The New England Patriots and folks at that, that whole team came out not as individuals. They came out of that that tunnel as one team and they sent a message to the St. Louis Rams. We are one and we are united and we are coming after you. And it got in St. Louis's head and they beat them and the Patriots have won a lot of Super Bowls (laughs) since that day. Christ Fellowship, listen. Let's send a message, let's send a message today when we vote to our city that we love them and that we're unified in bringing the love of God to them. Let's send a message to the kingdom of darkness that we will never surrender. That we are united as one group, though many, we are one, and we are coming to push back the gates of hell and advance the gospel of Christ. And finally, finally, let's send a message to our Savior who prayed for us on that night. Let's send a message that we are one. My prayer, Christ's fellowship, as I retire from this position, is that all of us at all of our campuses are going to line up behind this new, young pastor and do things for God we never even dreamed could happen. Amen? That's my prayer. So with that in mind, Howard Green, according to our Constitution and bylaws, is going to, by way of video, make our recommendation and then ask us to vote yes or no by show of hands at all of our campuses. Your campus pastor will be there to watch. So let's take a look, and I'll come back. Upon Pastor Rick Blackwood's succession announcement and his consultation with the Board of Trustees and the Personnel Committee, the board nominated Pastor Omar Garitley to succeed Pastor Rick Blackwood as the lead pastor of Christ Fellowship. If you affirm this nomination, please signify yes by raising your right hand. Thank you. You can now lower your hands. If you oppose this decision, please signify no by raising your right hand. Thank you. You can now lower your hands. The vote results will be tabulated across all our campuses over the course of the weekend. The results will be communicated via email and social media on Sunday. Thank you again for your participation. Christ Fellowship, are you ready for season 15? Yeah, the best is yet to come. Now, one of the tensions, one of the tensions that we have at a multi-site, multi-service campuses is we have to wait till all the votes come in. And that's what we've been doing. And this is, this is our last group. I think there's maybe one more. And then the votes will be tabulated. And this afternoon at five o'clock, we can all go online And see the results. And folks, I tell you, just from what I observed, it has been overwhelmingly all one, all in. So I'm excited for the future of Christ's fellowships. Let's stand and let me pray for you. One last time as your lead pastor, I'll be around. And I'm going to be serving and helping all I can. I want you to know I love you. What an honor it has been to be your lead pastor. Let me pray for you. God bless you. church lord there's nothing like it on the face of the earth lord it is truly unique and truly powerful lord thank you for all that you're going to do we pray for pastor omar we pray for ashley lord as they head into a new season of leading this church to to even more wonderful things lord the best is ahead of us lord i speak for all of us today we love you so much and we thank you for the way you love us in Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. If you want to take your next step as a believer, we want to hear about it. Let us know at cfmeme.org connect and filling out a connection card. We want to thank you so much for joining us. We love you, and God bless.